Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Jesse, And I'm Spencer. And this week we have our new friend, Sydney Peck. Sydney is currently working in the project management field, but she previously has experience teaching English overseas in Japan. Uh, born and raised in Kansas her whole life, she is here to kind of share her experience of leaving evangelicalism and the fallout with her friends. So please, everybody, welcome Sydney. Woo! Yay! Woo! I feel Hi. like there's always a plaza <laughs> needs to go there. <laughs> Sydney, so we're talking about a topic that affects us all, friends. Okay. And I think we were kind of talking before the podcast, you know, a little debrief or not debrief. I don't know what it's called. Pre-brief. And um, we were talking about how we all have that fear when we leave evangelicalism, whether it's founded or unfounded, that people are just going to drop us like it's hot because we don't believe the same things as them. Um, And you actually had that happen to you. You had friends drop you. So tell us your testimony. Tell us all about it. Sure. Um, So I don't even remember like when I became a Christian, I was raised in the church, Um, went to Christian school. Uh, I mean, sometimes I wonder if I could go toe to toe with a seminary student, just based on the fact that I had Bible class uh, five days a week plus church. So even though my parents were never pushing evangelicalism, like the the community around me was, and my family was like, yeah, we believe in God. We believe in Jesus. Um, we go to this Presbyterian church, but they really put me in school because of the academics. They weren't really concentrating on like my soul. (laughs) Um, So when I went to this non-denominational high school, everything was fine. Like there's kids from multiple denominations and, you know, there's Catholics and Lutherans and Baptists and charismatics and people that go to like revivals. And you just kind of accepted that if you had the meat and potatoes of Christianity, the same, it didn't really matter what the side dishes were. Um, and then I went to college and I met, um, evangelicals. So I didn't know at that time that evangelicals were a denomination. Um, I thought it was like the term for non-denominational, like, Oh, we evangelize. So it's evangelical. Um, and I honestly think that that misunderstanding on my part, like played into probably four years of confusion because I was meeting people from different denominations. We're in these randomly assorted Bible studies. We're going to the navigators on Thursday And I only fell in with that because my RA invited me, you know, I was already a Christian. So I was like, well, I probably need a Christian ministry. That's fine. Um, But as I fell in with this specific group of girls that had been randomly assigned as my Bible study, they were all evangelicals um, or at least the vast majority. Like 
their churches had evangelical in the name and they're evangelical free or something like that. So, um, we would have like really confusing conversations for years. Um, they tried to convince me that my church was wrong for having women preach and in a position of leadership. And I was like, you're not going to convince me at 22 to lose rights. Like, I don't for like, real, <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> so, um, that was one I never budged on, but there were others that got, um, messy and confusing. So we went to church together. I never really exerted a preference. I always did the, I don't know, whatever you guys want, because I was used to non-denominational. So I thought I could handle anything and like adapt to any church. Um, I ended up becoming surrounded by people who all had the same broad brushstroke of evangelicalism without even realizing it. And, you know, they're pushing Matt Chandler, Mark Driscoll, like all these online services. We did Bible studies together and I was just getting more and more frustrated. I think by my second or third year of college, I wasn't even talking to God at all. Wasn't praying, wasn't reading the Bible and, but still going to Bible study. And I'd always out myself as like, I didn't do the reading. Um, and I don't know why I did that, but, um, I just couldn't summon the effort to do that. And after college, I went to Japan for four years and I still kept up a friendship with some of the girls from this Bible study. Um, so one girl as of today, I had known for 12 years and the other I had known for eight and they became like my trio of best friends. And, you know, we had a secret blog where we kept up with each other while I was in Japan and another was traveling in another country and another was in grad school. And we would have three-way text messages and we sent each other gifts every year. And so like, these were, I'm an extrovert, but of all my friends, these were my best friends. And, uh, I kept getting more and more distant from them, but like still close and kind of like pretending everything was fine. When I would come home, maybe one week a year from Japan, we would get in fights, um, because they would be asking me about my faith. And I really wasn't practicing my faith. Like while I was in Japan, it was super great to be in a country where like being a Christian made you weird. Yeah. Um, so I could just like drop it off. And I became friends with like the queer expat community and like, um, all kinds of things. I was really questioning a lot and everything kind of came to a head last summer, um, during the black lives matter protests. Uh, one of my friends who had never wanted to learn about it was suddenly wanting to learn about it and probably because of social media. So I was kind of educating her. Um, the other friend didn't want to learn about it and kept saying, oh, you know, I need to see what the Bible says about racism. And, you know, she wasn't going to commit to anything until she saw it in the Bible. And this kind of escalated where, I mean, months would go by and she's taking no stance on it. Um, and then she, you know, started supporting Trump, even though she had never done any political reading at all up until this point. So I was like, after the last four years, you're going to now support him, but like you didn't before, but you, you want to continue this. Um, so some things kept coming up and I had been going to counseling for two years and my counselor one day, uh, July of last year, last week of July told me that I was stuck and that I was 
Uh, I knew exactly what I wanted to believe and what I wanted to do in my life, but I was using these two friends as an excuse not to. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to get stuck. Like I'm an Enneagram eight. That's not going to happen. <gasps> Same. So yeah, <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to get stuck. Um, so I Marco Polo apped them that night and was like, Hey, I'm a little afraid to tell you this because I think you might reject me, but this has been coming to a head for months, if not years. And I, number one, uh, don't think LGBT is a sin. Uh, number two, I do support Black Lives Matter, even though you guys think they're Marxist occult members. Um, and I was like, and number three, I'm not an evangelical. Um, and one friend, the one I'd known for less time, replied and was like, oh, that's really interesting. I'd love to hear how you got there and like learn more. Like, thanks for telling us. And the other friend immediately called me and said, that's unbiblical. Um, and so she literally drove me to tears um, through like Marco Polo videos back and forth where she was just saying like, I don't see where you got this in the Bible. Um, I don't see how you're coming to these conclusions. And I finally replied very tearful and said, you know, I literally just said, I'm afraid you're going to reject me and you're being an asshole. Like, I was like, like, you're not even giving it like five minutes. Like, you know, I was like, we need to talk about this, but not right now. Like I'm really like activated and like, we need a minute. So we, we called each other a couple of days later and I thought we'd fixed it. Um, at one point in the conversation, she said something like, well, sometimes Sydney, I think you think I'm a bigot. And I was like, well, you do some pretty bigoted shit. So I thought we were okay. Like I thought we got to this place where I was gonna, you know, try to be a little more open to her, but like she knew where I was at. I emphasized multiple times, um, that to me, evangelical is a denomination and that's not my denomination. It doesn't make me not a Christian. Um, but I don't agree with the things that she agrees. And that doesn't mean I'm wrong. Um, and it doesn't mean she's right. You know, like she's not the one person in the universe that discovered truth um, in the Midwest in 2020. <laughs> um, so anyway, I thought we were good months went by where everything seemed fine. And then she called me in November and said that we couldn't be friends anymore. <laughs> and, um, she did this like three days before her birthday. And I was literally like, I literally have a gift for you and your kid in my car. Like, like, am I not what, like, am I not supposed to bring it over? Like, what do you want us to do? And she just said that we had different values and I was not following God. So we could be acquaintances, but we couldn't be friends anymore. And, um, then she said, do you have anything to say for yourself? And I went, no, I was like, I don't have anything to convince you of anything. Um, I then called the other friend cause I was supposed to go see her that weekend. It was going to be the first time I'd see her like all of 2020 because of COVID. And, uh, I was like, I'm not going to drive six hours to get rejected. Um, so are you with this other friend on this? And she said that she agreed with that person's stances, but not with their action of cutting me off. So we agreed to like, try to keep the friendship. Um, and it kind of worked. Like we were still chatting for like two or three months. And then, uh, the insurrection on the Capitol happened and, she sent me like a three hour conspiracy video by the, my pillow guy, um, and wanted me to watch it for the sake of my soul. <laughs> so, um, I was like, look, I've, I've looked at a lot of resources you've sent me to try to like have a dialogue with you. And I was like, but it's pretty one-sided. Like you never look at my stuff. 
And I said, so I will go through this three hour my pillow video if you listen to one podcast that's an interview with an affirming Christian. And she said, well, what's the podcast episode? And I said, it's this interview with Jen Hatmaker and her daughter. And she said, oh, I can't listen to Jen Hatmaker. She's affirming. And I was like, I, I don't know how you're going to ever know what the ideas are if you, if you don't listen to it. Um, and I've tried to talk to you about it, but you don't want to talk about it. So things kind of blew up. Um, they calmed down again. I reached out to her maybe a week later. And then we spent maybe 30 minutes just talking on the phone and she kept crying and saying that she had to do this. And I was like, I understand you feel that way. And I was like, and I forgive you. And I was like, but I am not doing anything wrong. Um, we just don't have the same opinion. Um, and she said that she couldn't be friends with someone who no longer professed Christ. Um, she called me a false prophet, uh, and said that I was leading people down the slippery slope to hell and, uh, something like I bamboozled them by telling them I was an evangelical in the beginning. Uh, so I was a little offended and, uh, we ended up blocking each other on social media. I had already blocked the other girl because frankly, it was just painful to see all the pictures. Um, I wasn't like, Oh, you can't contact me. Like she still had my phone number. Um, I had started with unfollowing and then I moved to blocking after that day. And, uh, several months later, they said, happy birthday via text. And then I deleted their contacts and they could contact me, but I can't contact them. I kind of removed that option. So that was the saga of like everything that happened. Um, just from saying that I supported BLM, uh, didn't think LGBT was a sin and wasn't an evangelical. I didn't say hail Satan. Like that was it. Never denounced Christ at all. Right. Right. <laughs> because you were, um, uh, arguably following more of the, uh, Jesus example. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so. Um, and it didn't even, I found out the friend that dropped me first had spent four months bitch talking about me to the other friend and about what a sinner I was and how mad she was at me before actually dropping me. So for me, it was completely out of the blue. It's, we had one conversation and then we can't be friends, but I'm very glad I was spared from four months of probably really slanderous shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, um, first of all, fuck those people. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. My mom, my mom immediately was like, I always thought she was a bitch. And I was like, I know mom. Thank you. <laughs> like, I know. The part that makes me laugh is, is being like, Oh, you bamboozled us. Like, like you met them a decade ago. Like a person can't yeah. grow and change. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Like it's just assuming that like you lied the entire time, but you didn't right. lie at all. Like you were honest with them and wanted to be open about it. But yeah, basically them just saying like, you lied for all of our friendship because you never believed the same things as us, which isn't true. Like, right. That you just, the, you just changed. <laughs> yeah. And the second friend, actually, one of the things she said on the phone that made me laugh is she's like, well, if we don't have God in common anymore, what are we going to talk about? And I was like, I don't know your husband, your parents, your siblings, your nieces, your nephews trying to get pregnant, your plants, uh, your job. And I listed like all these things. And I was like, our entire relationship has not been built on theology. We've been friends for eight years. Pretty sure Jesus wasn't involved all the times so we got drunk. Like, mm -hmm. like, I just don't understand. Like, 
And I said, you, like, can you not be friends with non-Christians? And she was like, well, I can. And basically admitted that if there's a chance she can lead them to Christ, she can be friends with them. But I have backslid. So you're yeah. only um, being an asshole by not giving, not allowing people informed consent to be your friend because you're just trying to convert them the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And Which she also said to me that the first friend, if she could have snapped her fingers and made me believe the exact same thing she did, that she would totally do it. And I was like, so no free will. Mm. It's like, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> like, Yeah. I, my first instinct is to ask, have they ever left the state? They have one lived overseas the same time I was. Um, it's very, very strange. Where did she live? Uh, India. Mm, so she was a little insular i can see mm. she was on a mission trip so oh, i will say that yeah. but yeah it's really interesting also to have been rejected for three opinions um that i had always had um you know i had been a huge lgbt ally for a really long time and they never knew what to do with it um, I had just never crossed the line of saying, I don't think it's a sin to them. I had said it to a hundred other people, but not to them. And as for black lives matter, I was researching and reading about that in 2014. So it's not like the, and I, I had never been denominationally evangelical. I had always been Presbyterian. So really none of it was that different despite what they were saying. Um, it was very odd to be rejected for those three things. And I look back now at like, I think everybody grew a lot in 2020 and I'm doing all kinds of things they would consider sinful that they've never even known about that could have actually got me banned. Yeah. Um, but they don't even know about those things. Yeah. It's weird. I am. Um, I'm also an Enneagram I am very opinionated. And I was talking to somebody last night, um, actually, and we were very similar we're very opinionated but he is um not as forgiving as me is what he said mm. he's like Josie you have a lot of conservative friends and I would never like I I would never give people the grace to see their perspective because their perspective is wrong and I was like mm. Mm, I, I agree I agree that they're wrong but I also know through experience that change comes through interaction and it yeah. sounded like your friends were scared to change. Yeah. And not only scared to change, but scared if they even tolerated me mm -hmm. that I was a risk to them. Like I would contaminate them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Which if you're and, firm in your beliefs should not be a concern. Right. Like how weak is your belief mm -hmm. that someone having a different view is so threatening Mm -hmm. um yeah it's very interesting yeah because spencer and i don't agree on everything and we have a podcast together <laughs> i know <laughs> people can coexist. exist yeah. i just yeah. I, it's kind of funny because i think um i think a lot of times people um you know people lose friends because people grow and change and like that's like a really natural thing mm -hmm. but it's it's weird to think about like like the friends that I've had for a decade plus, like, like we've been through so much and so much has changed that like, even if we did like have disagreements like yours, like, I don't think it, it would be something where it'd be like, I want zero contact with you. 
Like yeah. I have friends, like I said, I've been friends with like for over 10 years that it's not like we talk every day, but like, we still have contact. Like I still wish them well. And like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And, and we can still have like constructive dialogues about things. And so it's almost like, I, honestly, I just think it's immature of a hundred percent. Exactly what you said of like, how like strong is your faith or like, do you even, and it also is sad because it's like, do they even really care about you? Because what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing from them, like their logic is, oh my gosh, like you don't know Christ anymore. So wouldn't that like motivate them to want to be your friend and like be in relationship? Right. And save my soul. (laughs) Instead of just being like, I got to cut you out. Like that doesn't sound very like evangelical to me of like wanting to save people. So I don't know. It's just weird. (laughs) It's also very interesting that like, I think their, their first reactions when I talked to them last summer, um, the one who lasted longer as my friend, um, she was like, tell me more where the other one was immediately like, this is not biblical. And so it was the, this is not biblical friend who just said, do you have anything to say for yourself and cut Mm -hmm. me off first. And I truly believe that if we had not been a trio, um, and that if she had not had influence on the other, that me and the other girl would still be friends. Mm -hmm. Um, we always had a little bit more open space for things. Um, but yeah, it's very, um, I even said that to her. I was like, is she like pressuring you to like end our friendship? And she wouldn't answer it. Yeah. It's, um, friends are weird, especially when you leave religion for whatever, well, from a multitude of reasons. And I feel like it all boils down to existing in a culture that doesn't allow you space to be a person. Like you can't have opinions on your own. And if you don't agree with the guy at the pulpit, because it's always has to be a guy, right? Right. Right. (laughs) Except in my denomination, which is apparently wrong. Right. Then you're (laughs) wrong. And Mm -hmm. I mean, this is one of the main reasons why I even left evangelicalism in the first place is because you're not allowing me the question. You're not allowing me the insight, the critical thinking. Like I grew up with parents telling me to go to college. This is what it is. Like you want successful people in your churches to give you money. This is how you get successful people through critical thinking. Like I don't, I'm going down a rabbit hole right now in my brain about. No, I fully follow and agree. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I think it's interesting how I went from, I mean, fairly well-educated, like in my Christian high school, like that things could coexist, you know, um, to college where, you know, if I went on a mission trip, a guy told me that like, no Christian man would ever want to marry me because I wanted a career. And I was like, I'm sorry, Neanderthal. Like, why do you think women are going to college? Like, like, get an MRS degree. Never gonna work? Yeah. Do you think we're never going to work? And it's just astonishing how often I would run into people with this very narrow, very specific view of what's right and wrong, but they were always preferences. And then they're being like, um, prescribed as this is the only way to do it. Did you go to a secular school? Like you didn't go to a Christian college? Yeah. I was like, hell no to Christian college. Um, bless you. (laughs) Whatever, Josie, you love APU. (laughs) Well, This is is something that I, that I find not every Christian college is like this, but I, from my friends who went to, um, like evangelical Christian schools, which are like Mm -hmm. made up of several denominations, um, a lot of them are more comfortable with like things, not 
like necessarily agreeing, like having those differences yeah. because it was made up of a lot of denominations versus my friends that either went to like, like Baptist colleges mm-hmm. or, or that went to secular universities that then went to like, like things like crew or university that are like yep. led by denominations behind them. Mm-hmm. Those ones are very like, not okay with the tension. Like you said, like very much like it has to be my way or the highway kind of thing. Yep. Which I think is really weird because you would think like, if you're going to do ministry at like a secular university, wouldn't you have the wherewithal to know that people are not going to agree on everything? Like mm-hmm. they're coming from right. so many different backgrounds And so, yeah, I just think that's like an interesting tidbit that I've noticed through my friends that have been involved in either Christian college or campus ministry that like, these are parallels. And I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. (laughs) I was so sick of my Christian ministry because I felt like everyone thought the exact same thing. Um, and when I got back from a mission trip with that group and they were having people like share their testimony, three girls went two before me, one after me, where they were just like, God, just put the little children of whatever country on my heart and broke my heart for them. And all the bless your heart, sweet things. And I got up and I was like, my trip sucked. I was like, this girl <laughs> stole money from me. This guy did this. Like, I was like, by the way, these were all the missionaries. Like, I was like, um, there were spiders in my house, <laughs> like, you know, and I just told like an honest story. Um, and the girl after me was like, God just broke my heart for the children of whatever. Um, And I just, I was like, I'm not going to get up here and sugarcoat it and be like, oh, bless the Lord at this stage. I'm like, you guys have people in senior leadership in some of these countries who are like really screwed up Mm -hmm. and like not kind people. And like the nicest people I met were the Buddhists in Japan, not, not the missionaries. Um, so I just never got along with anyone in that ministry. I don't really know why I kept going. I tried to skip a lot and I kept getting complimented by these two friends of mine that are no longer friends at how good I was at meeting non-Christian friends and their intention was, Oh, so that you can lead them to Christ. And I was like, no, I just think they're funner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, here's my two cents, everybody, Mm -hmm. just so you know, um, if your friends cannot handle you having a difference of opinion, they're not your friends, period. Because, we're all entitled to our opinions. We're all entitled to difference of thought. That is what makes the diversity of humanity beautiful to experience. If we were all the same, life would be boring. If we all believed the same things about God and the divine, it would be boring. You would never grow. You would never learn more about the beautifulness of spirituality if all you were taught was this regimented formula on how to do it. And then that's it. That's not... That's a recipe. That's not a spirit. That's not a relationship. It's not a spirituality. It's not a practice. Um, I, yeah. And if your spaces are telling you that you have to believe exactly what they believe and you cannot exist in spaces outside of that, uh, you're in a cult. You're not in a religion. You're in a fucking cult. Yeah. At one point, the, the girl, the second girl, um, on the call said, like, I'm really worried that you're falling into this cult of progressive Christianity. And I actually laughed on the phone. I said, who's in the cult cults, make you disconnect from people when they don't think the same thing as you anymore. And I was like, you want to talk cults? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they both actually grew up at the same church, which I think is part of the problem. So yeah. I, I learned 
my whole childhood that people disagreed, even when they thought the same thing, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the finer points were disagreements and, uh, they grew up that their only, um, encounter with God, Jesus, the Bible was always from the same perspective. So I, I almost wonder how scary college was for them to like, oh yeah, you know, go there. And I mean, they still reference that church, even though one doesn't even live in the same state anymore. And it's like, you know, that if she was still in that state, she'd be at that church. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a commitment to a specific leader. That's a commitment to a specific interpretation more than God. Yeah. Let's uh, remind the people that Jesus did not attend a church. Yeah. Everybody. And yeah. that he broke racial boundaries. He's the one that would have been advocating for Black Lives Matter. The, the person who went to the Samaritans when they were not supposed to because of a racial divide. And he was like, hey, um, here's some water. Do you want the living? Whatever, you know, like Jesus broke down all, the, all these little things that they, people are calling progressive Christianity are just the work of Jesus that they claim to have read. I don't understand. Like if you and they're not even looking at the heartbeat i hate that right like the heart behind it all like where are you coming from you're coming from the stance of like i don't want black people to die at the hands of a police state i don't want gay people to feel ostracized and oppressed because of who they decide to love if when love is all encompass it's supposed to be all encompassing it's supposed to be all divine what how does their love worse than your or whatever you know like there's no I don't know. And like all these things like people are not, they're so scared of the idea that things could change that they can't have anybody in their life that could possibly mm-hmm. present to them new information. That's why they're going into Trump. They're probably deep into the pillow guy still and the QAnon yeah. and the, it is a cult. Like evangelicalism has turned into a cult and I, even in sunny California over here, I live in Southern California where it's supposed to be a liberal bastion of elites or whatever the conservatives say, but you still have places like Huntington beach where the cult exists. Like there's no escaping it unless you decide to be presented with new information. And it's, it's the mainstream in Kansas. So really um, evangelicalism is the whole thing. Um, for you to even specify beyond being an evangelical is just odd, you know. Do you have a lot of Methodists in Kansas? Um, yeah. One of my roommates, actually. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you should find them and hang out with them. They're cool. Yeah, um, well, half of them, half of them, not the other. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so true. Um, actually, I was taking a anti-racism course last summer, like via Zoom, and there was this. They did breakout sessions, and there was this. Um, pastor and I ended up in a chat with him and the other person like their computer glitched so it was just the two of us and I was like hey so you're like a pastor and he's like yeah I was like do you have people coming up to you saying like they need to check the bible to see if black lives matter is like good or bad do you have people saying like that they can't like support George Floyd, like, or Breonna Taylor because of the Bible. And he was like, no, who the hell is around you? And like, this is what a pastor said. And I was like, so what denomination are you? And he's like, I'm Methodist. I was like, so, so what does that believe? And he's like, like, we use the Bible, but also like your intelligence and your education and your experiences. So and quadrilateral. Like, quadrilateral. Yeah. <laughs> so they say, he says that. And I went, I've literally 
gone to Christian school for most of my life and I've never heard anyone say I can bring my intelligence to make my decisions. Mm-hmm. Literally the Methodist church I go to right now, they're having a whole like this fall spiritual formation class is about the quadrilateral, which is awesome. sp- scripture, experience, tradition, and reason your brain. Yes. So yeah, I'm like, oh, hang on. And that. I told him, I said, I've never heard any Christian give me permission to think. Yep. and this is why i also have a lot of compassion for people like the people around you is because it's a culture at that point right like it's all they know and to break out of your culture is a hard thing to do i mean even so i'm mexican breaking out of the culture of machismo of like this Mm -hmm. masculine like and then you're like the woman or whatever like that's really hard to wrestle with it's not hard for me to break personally it's hard for me to talk to people about because i'm just like hey asshole you don't have to be a dick the whole time just because you have a dick like relax (laughs) take a step back okay or like the idea of there's a bunch of bullshit in mexico but (laughs) like colorism is huge in mexico and people will not accept it they will say oh that's not an issue here and i was like you literally just said that i'm that i'm being a little indian girl and that was a derogatory thing so i think i think you need to wrestle with what you're dealing with here yeah hence my compassion is because i know I mean, it doesn't extend that far. Let me just, <laughs> it, I don't have that much compassion, but a little bit. Like, I understand. I wish people would do more, especially in the age of the internet. Yeah. When I was um, probably struggling with these ideas the most was while I was in Japan. Um, my best friend was gay and also an atheist. And I just could not bring it in myself to like talk positively about Christianity because I was like, no, like, look how it hurt him like this isn't okay um and we would talk a lot and still famous but in his words he said to me he experienced about religion um so recognize coming out depending on what you're that you just threw around and you know you know you don't um, and so you're trying to figure, uh, and- um, hold on one second. You are frozen. Maybe turn off your video. That usually helps sometimes. <gasps> She's gone. To, like defend Christianity. Good. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. With my gay friend, I just, who is also an atheist, I just couldn't bring myself to defend Christianity or make it even positive because it had been nothing but a negative experience for him. And I, that I couldn't forget that. Um, and then it really caused me to examine everything that I thought about Christianity and there was really no pressure to land on the side of Christian because no one around me was. So it was just my own internal battle. And it was funny to find out later that people called it deconstruction because what my gay friend referred to it as is he goes, I feel like this is your own coming out experience. You know, like you're coming out of the bubble of assumption that everyone has said you are X 
and you know, you're not, and you're having to tell them that you don't agree or that you're not what they think you are. And it's funny because after I finally, um, you know, made where I was public about not being an evangelical or what I supported, um, it was a matter of months before I then came out as asexual, um, and then came out as biromantic. And so it's just really funny to me that there were so, it was almost like, um, like a car crash where it was like a pileup. I had so much stuff I hadn't processed and hadn't dealt with because this big thing was in the way. And I'm grateful that I got the religious deconstruction out of the way before I even got into my own identity because I had already, I wasn't worried about it well before I even realized that I was ace. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine having to go through all that at the same time. <laughs> that would have been heavy to, like, deconstruct your face. It was, it was a lot. I've been counseling for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, do you have... Now that you've gone through it, you've been through it, do you have any advice for people, like, whose friends are on the verge? They feel it coming on yeah um i think sorry can you can you hear me okay I feel like... you're cutting out a little bit okay uh, I will try. you can probably tell in your gut if it's not gonna go well um i think there's a difference between like unfounded anxiety over like the situation, like, Oh, I have to tell someone there's a difference between that and knowing in your gut that the telling might end something or break something. And I think that it's more important to make space for that grieving before you tell someone. Um, and don't be entirely surprised if it happens. I remember with the first friend, she was like, do you have anything to say for yourself? And I was like, no, I, I really don't. I said my piece, you're not happy about it, but I'm happy about it. Like I'm okay with where I am. And I think if you can accept where you are, you kind of realize that you don't need to bring everyone on the journey, especially if they don't want to be there. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. You do not. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's what a heavy topic. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> I think it's good to just, you know, like we talked about previously of just sharing your experience is important because I think there are so many people that are afraid of this. And we've talked about it before, people talking about the fear, um, you know, Josie and I being lucky to do this together. And so like, even if everybody else leaves, like we still have that one person kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't have that. And so it's really, especially like you said, like these were like your people, your best friends. So it's just like, it's heartbreaking to hear, but it's also important to hear. And I just want to say thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for letting me. I, um, I ended up signing up to chat with you guys, uh, a year from the day that I told them, um, because wow. I decided, that I wanted to market, I wanted to mourn it, and I wanted to create something out of it. So 
Um, I'm hoping that this will be kind of like a final step in my grieving process. And hopefully there are listeners who, even when they're fearing this kind of, um, fallout that they don't have the fallout, but I guess what I want to assure people if they do, is that like, while it hurt and while I had like all kinds of dreams that were weird and it was like on my mind a lot, like I felt very secure, Mm -hmm. um, the whole time I felt kind of like unshaken because I knew me and I had done my internal work, um, before this conversation. I mean, I knew what I thought for almost two years before I told them. And it was only when that therapist said, you're stuck, um, that I decided to get unstuck. But I just want to encourage people that even if you lose someone like it's okay to look back on like the happy memories you've had with them and like how they formed you. And it's okay to look back on like the sad memories. Um, and it's okay to not have them going forward. Like not everybody can like think so openly. Absolutely. And you realistically friends, you should not be scared to tell your friends anything. I mean, unless you yeah. murdered somebody, I guess, but, um, that's different. You I honestly be think they would have handled that better. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Friends, you will always have friends with us. If you need deconstructed friends, come find us. I mean, or me, I guess I should speak for myself. <laughs> well, we've loved having you, Sydney. Thank you so much for your story. I'm sure there are plenty. I'm not sure. I know there's so many people out there who are experiencing going through the same thing. It's okay to grieve. Even if your friends are assholes, everybody is complicated, but I mean, complicated makes life beautiful, right? Or whatever. Where can the people find you, Sydney, if you want to be found? Um, I'm actually really not findable. I don't really have like a public presence on anything. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that. I love it. I love privacy. Ooh. (laughs) I was like, well, y'all can find us on Instagram at speaking in church. You can find Josie at Josie takes the world. You can find me at Spence Rose. Well, friends, as always, if you're not already, and if your friends aren't either, stay woke or get woke. Jesus love you. Bye. Bye. This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.